And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbrough. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It's a Big Hulk. Uh, it's a great temperature, but it's an awful rainy day. Um, a lot going on, but I will tell you this. We got an amazing podcast coming your way. Um, I'm excited about it. Sleep. There's some big things happening. Oh, yeah. School's back. Social district in Raleigh. Let's go. Booze anywhere you want outdoors in Raleigh within about a fucking square mile, man. It's great. It's raining. I might just go grab a beer and start walking around anyway. Uh, NCAA AP Top 25 poll came out today. Heels ain't in it. Uh, first day of class. Pablo's a teacher. We got basketball running sprints and shit. Well, I mean, that's where we're at with uh, content. So we'll tell you a little bit about that. UNC put together an NIL committee. Uh, that's interesting when I asked the Big Hulk about that. Uh, Sam Howe looked pretty solid for the Commanders in preseason football and a rarely rare appearance for baseball in Sleephawk Worldwide for all the wrong reasons. Fernando Tatis pops 80 games. I want to talk about that and the ball card industry implications. And Tyler's just firsthand knowledge. This dude's fucking cheating. He ain't a ringworm or heartworm or whatever he said he had. Just fucking just juicing. Um, first day of class, Pablo, let's start with you, dude. You're a teacher. What does it mean? Yeah. So I'm teaching music production. I have 36 students this semester. Uh, campus is buzzing. Oh yeah. I mean, everyone looks really excited. Even, uh, well, I mean. Buzzing like bunch of people around or. Yeah. And buzzing like, you know, kids showing up drunk. uh, Maybe a little bit. When's your first class of the day? No, my class is at 1010. So. 1010. So they probably maybe sober by then. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but you can already tell right off the bat the kids that are going to be there and then the kids who will never show up to a lecture again. Uh, I wonder. Okay, so so walk me through that because I was definitely the one that was – like like, like uh, that are never showing up again, either dropping the class or like the ones that you're like, yeah, this motherfucker's going to call me and tell me his grandma died seven times this yeah, semester. Well, I mean, Pablo, I, do you take attendance? I don't, and I told them that. Like For me, you know, it's like you're adults. I told them you, you're paying to go to school and take classes. It's your choice whether you come or not. I'm not going to penalize you whether you're there or not. And that's when it happens. You can see the guys just wow. that, that aren't coming just checking out. Jackpot. Um, what's your what's your pick a prof score, dude? You know, I've, it's only been one year. I do. I don't know. I haven't. I need to check it out. I wonder if it dude, pick a what? Dude, oh, don't act. Well, of course you didn't have to worry about it. Every every mortal student at UNC had to fucking figure out for <laughs> themselves whether the professor was going to be easy or not. Is it still pick a prof? I think that's right. I haven't looked. I, Pablo I, I assumed it would take Vega. A, more than a f- one UNC. year. Pablo, I will tell you right, right now. My professor, Pablo Vega at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Five out of five. Wow. All right. Wow. Perfect. Level of difficulty, one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Pablo's a man of the people. I, let's see. He only. I think he only had one review. 100% would take again based on one ranking. Pablo, do you leave that review? <laughs> yeah, that's rate my professor. So yeah, hey, look, if you guys are out there, uh, once you sign up and give Sleephawk Worldwide five stars, you should do the same thing for Pablo. Rate your professor at UNC. I wonder. Uh, I'll tell you this, Sleep. Um, if I was a professor, I would show up the first day with work, and I would set a tone. I would take attendance. You miss my class three times, you're done. Uh, you go down one letter grade. Um, attendance is super important. If you're late, I don't even come in. You're uh, tardy. That count as a missed class. And 
that would be the foundation. It'd be very military and I would be a tough teacher and <laughs> I would teach these kids discipline and they would learn something while they're there. What would they learn? To be on time. What would you teach? What would I teach? Yeah. Well, what would you um, teach? I don't know. It would be something uh, that they would actually use in everyday life. Uh, we can start there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Leadership. I mean, a class on leadership. <laughs> what would you know, discipline? What, what are the, what are the what are the five core tenets of leadership? I, I would say honesty. Okay. Work. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to think about yeah, that. Yeah, I need a lesson plan. Uh, I'm putting him on, I'm putting you on the spot. Chemistry. Here, chemistry. I would say yep. being able to work yeah, with others, know, be respectful. Atoms and protons and. I'm not talking about that chemistry. Uh, you would have to have uh, somebody else uh, teach that one. You have a teacher's assistant? Who would your teachers? All right, all right. So, Professor Big Hawk, who is your teacher's assistant? Like, who's your TA? Uh, Basketball-wise. Got to be some former player. That, and, and it can't be Bob, because that answer's way too easy. Teacher's assistant. Let's and see It can't here. be Preston either. Hmm. This is a tough one. Let me see here. <laughs> Um, Ty would be a good one. Um, let's see here. Um, <laughs> Mike Cope would be great. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm going to go the other direction. If we're talking about someone being smart and needing like Tyler Zeller is one yeah. of the smartest people I know. <laughs> so I would have him help me with a lot of things. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as far as educationally, education goes and he's pretty tough nose so i would uh kind of like me blue collar so i would probably him i'd be the worst teacher ever pablo what what would you teach if you weren't teaching um music like what would your other teaching be uh something along the lines of chemistry in the way that you meant it because Mm -hmm. so much of what i do yes it's music related and there are music majors in the class but so much of it is just making connections keeping cards making sure that you make a good impression with everyone that you work with because you know, like 90% of the gigs I've gotten has been from word of mouth of people who enjoyed working with me and not because, you know, I did an incredible job or something, you know? Yeah. And Pablo, I think that's super important. Um, I would say, um, it's a skill you got to use and especially in today with the social media and how everybody's kind of been virtual lately, but also, you know, a lot of kids are on their phone and, you know, video games. And I would say, there's been a loss in communication skills and also people making uh, networking or making connections with other people in person. I think that would be a super important class uh, in real life. Chemistry. And, and and like a bunch of smart kids would sign up for it and they realize the first day they showed up that they're it's a music class and they're singing Kumbaya in a circle, uh, learn how to get along with each other. I like it. Um, you know, I had a... Uh, I have a cousin who went to law school at Virginia and I asked him, I was like, how'd you finish in your class? He's pretty smart. And he's like, yeah, I did pretty good. But you know, those people that finish in the top, like 3% or whatever, they're kind of awkward. Yeah. They don't, their communication yeah. skills aren't real great. And so you, you think because they're so smart on paper and, you know, in their studies, but they don't know how to apply that to real life and not come off kind of like articulate um, so I think that can, um, that can definitely help some people. Yeah, dude, it's funny. Cause I, uh, I shit you not, man. When I first started my company, I had a guy that, um, a kid, like a engineering student, NC state. 
he, he was like doing some work for me and I was like, I was just starting out. So it was, it was wasn't a well-paying gig. So I'd like try to take him out to like eat or something if we were having a meeting about what we needed to do or whatnot. And we went and we got pizza. And what I would do is I'd like order a whole pizza. And these kids in college, like we eat as much pizza as we possibly can. He'd take back whatever's left. Well, one day we asked for a box, a pizza box, and give us this like paper box. This kid's a fucking engineer. He's one of the smartest kids I've ever met. And, you know, the box comes pre folded, but they did not fold the like top. So the top was flat. Like you had to fold the flaps down to get it mm-hmm. to close. And we get ready to leave, and he's got this box. He's got, like, two or three pieces of pizza in this box, and the lid's flapping up and down. And I'm kind of, like, see it, but I don't really think much of it. And, like, he's just, like, super awkward kid to talk to, but, like, really, really smart. And uh, I could tell something was really bothering him when we were leaving. I was like, you know, hey, you got, you know, got what you need, like, anything else, blah, blah, blah. We're good to go. Yep. And then we're walking away from the from the place we're eating, and he, he like, is like, hey, man, you mind if I ask you something real quick? And I'm like, sure, man. And like, I'm, re- I'm waiting for like something heavy to come or something because he's like, he got this look on his face. He's like, can you show me how to hold, fold the top of this? And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? He's like, nah, man. He's like, I've always, I've always wondered how to, how they fold these, how to, how to close it. Right. And I'm like, dude. And it's literally like, fold the flap, shut the box. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know how to do it, man. He yeah. literally didn't know how it worked. And I was like, dude, this is profound. So, uh, yeah, I get it, man. Book smart, street smart. It's two different things. You get both of those things and you're like, you know, you're Superman. I mean, you see it with like super smart people like Elon Musk, right? The guy's like a brilliant dude, but a freaking weirdo. And, uh, you know, and, and, and those of his kind. And also, I would say, you know, it's being smart is a big deal, but also like, you know, being a good worker and you know, showing people respect, I think that goes a long way just just as much as, you know, knowing the material, knowing how to connect with people. And I think that, uh, you know, like you said, Pablo, a lot of your jobs come from connections. And as an athlete, you know, you're in a position where you meet a lot of people who have had success in business and everyone else tells you, you know, you network and once you're done playing, uh, you know, you have these connections. But you're always like, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. But not until you're done, then you realize how important that mm-hmm. is. And the people who did take advantage of it, um, you can see you know, the benefits that it did pay. But I will say um, that is super important. So if anybody's out there listening, man, um, <laughs> besides our parents. Yeah, um, I mean, that's why I navigated the way I did through college, you know, socially. You know, that's why I stayed there for eight years. Um, I had a hell was, of a network. Yeah, so. I mean, I got a good network, dude. And um I mean, some might call me a doctor, but, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't put it in front of my name or anything like that, but, um, you guys got it all wrong though on the teaching thing, dude. You got to like step down from college, too much responsibility, too much scrutiny. Like there's people paying to take your class. You go teach in fucking high school and you teach fucking gym class because nobody cares. Like you're just like, Hey, you're running today. Cause I'm in a bad mood. Right. Oh, in a good mood. Maybe we'll play fucking dodgeball and I'll just watch y'all beat the shit out of each other. Right. Like, I mean, if I was a teacher, that's absolutely what I would teach. I'd be a terrible teacher if it mattered because like I'll let people walk all over me, man. I don't give a shit. I don't want these kids. I, I want everybody like me. Yeah. And, you know, sleep, you remind me, like someone asked me one time, you know, I had this, I think we were talking, they were talking about like this fitness class and I was having coffee. Fitness mic in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Fit a lot of things in that mouth. Uh, But anyways. (laughs) Edit. Cookie cookie uh, time. But I was talking about, I was like, man, I want to open up a a flatline fitness. 
And I would flat line that. fitness. Flat line fitness. Is that like where the, I mean, you fucking flat line when you're done or? It's where you come in there and you try to kill everybody. <laughs> and you tell everybody that walks through that door, you have them sign a waiver and you tell them, listen, you are an absolute piece of shit. And I'm going to fucking bury you today. Flat okay, this is flatline fitness. Okay, you came here to make a change, and I'm going to tell you what a piece of shit you are. And I'm going to try and bury you. And I was sick of like the positive reinforcement. Uh-huh. You know that they get. Oh yeah, good job, good job. No, fuck you. Don't be a bitch. Fucking finish your run. Okay. okay. And if you don't make it, you're doing it again. Okay. Okay. Now get the fuck out of flatline. I'm sure that'd be a real money maker. You'd just be you'd, raking you'd be cash. You'd be surprised. In. Yeah. Hey, yeah. this, you know, these people at these Barry's boot camp, <laughs> come on out to flatline. Send your kids like that show. People used to send their kids or some dude would dress up like a fucking Marine and just scream at him. Yeah. And he's like, I, I'd love to see where those kids are today. I, you can't even say where you think those kids are probably at today because of, you know, yeah, we all know where those kids are. Yo, and you, it ain't and it ain't they ain't scared straight, dude. <laughs> the scared straight is always hilarious. Yeah. Have you seen have you been have you done an orange theory class? Fuck no, dude. I don't get it. Have all you that done shit. an orange theory? All right. So you you wear this heart monitor and the whole idea is to stay in the orange zone. Mm-hmm. So the green zone is like you're not going hard enough. The orange zone is like an in-between, you know, kind of easy and then super difficult is a red zone. Now that's a flat line. Three zone. zones. Yeah. So you have green, orange, and then red. If you're in the red, they want you to slow down, bring it to the orange, and you want to stay in there. Uh-huh. And I remember first time I was in there, you know, I got hooked up to the heart thing, and you you can look at the TV and you can see everybody's uh, range, what they're in. Some of these people are already in orange, just standing there. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, what the? The motherfucker failed a lot of truth. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, sit this, sit him down. Yeah, this dude, but this dude needs to do some laydowns, bro. Um, yeah, going to the gym, man. I don't know. It's like I go, I get very cyclical about that shit, and I get like too competitive, and I wind up getting injured at my age. And uh, the last time I was in the gym was when Tyler asked me what what I did to work out while I had a blister when I was walking around on a golf course and it fucking scared. I got scared straight, dude. Next thing you know, I was deadlifting four hundred pounds, and um. And now I got sciatica and I'm fucking don't go to the gym anymore. Yeah, it always or feels good. Much else. Just fucking eat cookies once a week and tell you guys about it. <laughs> Find out how much white claws cost. Anyway, like, yeah, I'm fucking good for Pablo teaching, man. Good teacher. Like, I'd be, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to discipline enough to teach. No, Pablo's a great teacher. FDOC um, was like, it's very over under how long it takes before the excitement of the first day of class. Turns into just fucking hey, dude. Like I say, two weeks. Two weeks. You give it two weeks. Yeah, I guess. I mean, at first week's fun. Yeah, yeah. My freshman, or well, so I came into UNC as a junior. Um, I went to the first class, first day of classes, and I didn't. I don't think I went to class again for three weeks. And that's the first time I realized, like, I can't. I'm not smart enough to just get by anymore. I showed up and I got four D's and an F my first semester. Um. I was on academic probation every single time I was in there. Look at me now. I got my own fucking podcast. I got my own business. I got a car. I never missed a class until my junior year. Wow. Outside of... Fucking square. Outside of... uh, (laughs) If if we're... If it wasn't basketball related, I never missed a class until my junior year. And... What'd you miss your junior year for? I don't know what it was. Um, I just felt like sleeping in. And it wasn't like I went out or something. I just... I never missed class, and my junior year, one day, I was like, I'm not going. Fuck it. Mm, wow. I remember sitting there, I was like, 
Oh, I missed my first day of class ever. Hmm. And everyone- Did all- you get perfect attendance and shit when you were like in middle school? Uh, Yeah, I would say that. But also I would say that I think it it means something to the teachers. You'll get the benefit of the doubt if you show up. You're damn right you and will. And just sit in class. You're damn right you, you never will. miss a class- the teacher will remember that, especially if you, uh, especially in college, there's a lot of shit that's subjective in grading. And I remember like taking some tests, and I knew I was like, I know this shit's right. Like I know I'm justifying my case or whatever, right? And I'd get bad grades, and I get super pissed about it because the teacher was fuck stick or whatever, you know. But the truth was, is I, you know, I was like, they're gonna give me a bad grade. It's like an umpire. You know, he's like, I'm going to call this shit on you because I don't like you, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what they'll do. But also, uh, like, for attendance isn't required, but it says on the syllabus that attendance slash participation is 15% of their grade. So there's that gray area. Oh, yeah. he's got the loophole going on. He's got the mask mandate. Yeah, they're not, not required, but they're strongly recommended you show your ass up here. I like it, man. It's like uh, catch twenty two. I think it. I think it does mean a lot showing up to class, and I think doing things, regardless of how you feel, and making sure that you're going to class. I think that teaches you discipline, and then you're getting that to that routine. and And I am being serious here. I think attendance is super important um, because uh, it's your first. Like college is actually, as a kid, it's one of your first times where you um, experience freedom. You know, your parents aren't monitoring you and, you know, how you handle new things in your life. You know, it's you got to do those the right way. And uh, I think just showing up for me, I felt like if I showed up to class, I had a better chance of making a better grade. So that's why I did it. I couldn't disagree more at all. And I'm serious about it. You know what I think the most important part of college is, is figuring out how the fuck you get from the start to the finish, however the fuck you want. No, I didn't say it's the most important part. I said it's showing up and having attendance and letting the teacher know that you're there. That's a huge deal mm-hmm. to me. I and agree. I would say that um, as somebody who probably didn't come from the best educational uh, public school to UNC, that was a big jump for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an email, never had a... Uh, you know, whatever the typewriting class. So I didn't really know how to work. I didn't have an email when I got here. So um, it was a big step for me. So I know, I knew showing up to class would make a difference. I think the structure is, can be very positive, but everybody I know that is on the outer limit of success at this stage of our lives, they were, they weren't the ones that went to class every day. Now those guys, you know, and girls, they probably got nice. Now, if you look, if you're a fucking doctor, you're something that matters. Like you got to show up, you got to do the work, you got to study. Like if you're in a in a profession that requires rigidity, rigidity is required on the way there. But I think all the people in like business that I know were the ones that were just crazy. You know, that kind of did this and did that, and you know, whatever kind of carved their own way. weren't at the top of the class. But like, I th- I just think to learn. I think college is. I think every day that passes, I think college is more and more bullshit uh and and no offense bob i've realized right when i said that i realized i'm talking to a professor that's gainfully employed by a college that i love and adore but the whole structure of it you know is i I think i think kids can learn so much more by uh honestly by making bad decisions getting yourself in a bad fucking situation and figuring out how to fucking get out of it because you're going to get in situations in life that you don't expect or you didn't see coming and you ain't going to learn how to get out of them by just showing up to work every day. And, you know, that's just my two cents. But that was the path I took. And there's more than one way to 
you know, to navigate through life. But I've always been of the mindset, like, man, I was an idiot and I fucked up a lot. But I promise you, I learned more from that shit than dude making 4.0. Or I, yeah, and I agree. I think the best part of college for me is the connections I made, yeah. the friendships. Yep. And the best part of UNC isn't, you know, the, the campus yeah. is beautiful. It's the people. Yep. Like, the no people are that. great. And, you know, I think that's what makes a school. And so for me, when I look back, um, I learned a lot, but also, you know, I have friends for life. And I think that's a huge deal. And, um, yeah, so that's the most important part to me. But hey, sleep. Um, since it is a first day class, do you want me to talk about the basketball conditioning? Let's do it, dude. Because right. I didn't realize we were going to go down to, um, you know, we're going to start becoming motivational speakers. Yeah, to, like uh, Sigmund to, Freud over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so uh, fellas, the first Siegfried Freud, <laughs> the fucking circus. Um, so fellas, it is the or listeners, it is the first day of conditioning for UNC basketball. Traditionally, when I was in school, they had a 12-minute run, and most teams under Coach Smith and Coach Williams, um, the first day of school, they had a 12-minute run at the track, and you had to get six and a half laps in 12 minutes. That's not crazy difficult. It's more mental than anything, and that was the whole point of it. But since now the rules have kind of been shifted, so they do um, tempo runs, which kind of tough, kind of not. But this is a first day of conditioning because uh, the preseason is much longer now. And I think they actually start exhibition games earlier. So, um, I, you know, I got, you know, I got what they did today. They, uh, so sleep, they did four 100 runs mm-hmm. to start. Fucking awful, dude. 100 is, uh, I don't care how fast you are, man. That shit sucks. So the guards had to make it in 16 seconds. The bigs had to make it in 17. Wait a second. 100? 100. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, yep. I I mean, the 400 is the worst. One lap is what I was going through. One lap is... Maybe the the 800. 800. Anything, lap or over is difficult. Like, even a lap. (laughs) Um, But, so they did four 100s. Um, guard 16 seconds. The big 17 seconds. And then they go... um, They have 16 seconds rest Mm -hmm. and then they do a 200 Mm -hmm. um bigs have to make it 34 guards have to make it 32 three 100s following that 16 seconds guards 17 seconds bigs then they have to do two 200s um same the bigs 34 the smalls 32 and then they finish with four 100s um, same thing, 16 for the guards, 17 for the bigs. And, and if so, they don't make it, what happens? Do they start over or do they just have to do it until they make it? No, they'll track who misses it mm. and then they'll have to redo it. Mm. And if a guy misses a certain amount, like let's just say he misses over two, then mm-hmm. I think he has to redo the whole thing on a different day. Mm. Who was uh, who was somebody that didn't make it when you were playing? Was it Dion? No, Dion made it, man. I we didn't. We were pretty. I good. mean, you guys, as, as a director, I think there's a direct correlation between like a team with like championship pedigree athletes. Also, no, I will say this: it is very intimidating as a freshman. Yeah. And so usually you have a freshman who's never really been pushed um, like they're going to be at UNC, and so um, the one thing about playing under Coach Williams, you're going to be in shape and you're going to run, and you're going to run a lot. So the conditioning program, when I was in school, they've kind of backed off of that mm-hmm. because 
uh, the preseason so much longer, but it was tough. And dude, um, I remember when I played so in baseball, do you run your ass all the time, especially if you're a pitcher because you ain't got shit else to do? Um, dude, our, I remember we had a run before Christmas break, and our coach woke us up at like five in the morning. It might have even been earlier than that. And it was like, if you weren't on that bus at five in the morning, you were getting left and you did not want to get left. And he, <laughs> he just drove our ass out. This is in Lewisburg, North Carolina, dude. This is in the middle of nowhere. He drove our ass out in the middle of some field somewhere and was like, y'all better pay attention because if you don't know where you're going, you might as well run your ass home. Because anyway, like he just drops us off and like we had, we're like five miles into the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And like you had to just keep up with the pack to know how to get home. Yeah. And you had to get home in a certain amount of time or else your ass was had to do it again until you made it, man. It was yeah, running conditioning is, is all mental. Yeah. yeah. And it makes you tough. Um, so you know, when I was in school, they don't do this, I don't think, anymore. But the actual what you do is you work uh towards the conditioning test. Mm-hmm. And so you do this would be called a tempo run. And then so you do for a certain amount of weeks, you do a tempo run one time a week, and then you do um, you know, on the basketball floor, you would do 33s and then you would do a bunch of stations. So you would have a group that ran, you know, you would start off with six 33s, which is down, back, down, back, down, back, the full length of the court in 33 seconds. And then you would have 66 seconds rest and then do it right again. Mm-hmm. And now you can't miss, you can miss one thirty three, and you have to make up for it immediately after. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Wh- how many thirty threes we're doing? If you miss two, you must do everything over again. Is the finish line the th- the free throw line or the baseline for the bigs? Free throw line Got for it. the guards. It's Ooh. the uh, baseline. There we go. Okay. So you work towards. So the stations would be like defensive slides. It would be you know suicide run, mm-hmm. uh, bike, battling ropes. And so you work towards 12 33s mm-hmm. and the rest would be 66 in between each 33. Mm-hmm. And now Coach Williams, he would have tough times. And so the test is you have to make the 33s, mm-hmm. but also he would challenge you and say, hey, if you make six 33s in 31 seconds, mm-hmm. I will give you plus points. Mm-hmm. And you you can use those plus points to get out of runs uh, you know, in the season mm-hmm. at practice. So if coach says baseline, you don't want to run, you can raise your hand and say, Hey, I'm using my plus points. And you would, they would subtract that from your total and you can get out of running. And so I feel like you would have plus points and be like, fuck that. I ain't using those things. I did have a lot of plus points, but I also, I rarely used them because I was worried if I like, I'm always waiting for that. You know, if I'm hurt or not feeling right, I want to use my plus points to save my body. Um, But, uh, you know, you get plus points for various things, you know, winning basketball plays, taking charges, blah, 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 making great defensive plays, stuff like that. You'd get uh, plus points. But, I mean, you would – the conditioning test, 12 66 seconds rest in between each 33, and you would – you know, that's the whole test is try to make 12 of them. And it is challenging. Now, a lot of people out there, if you're listening and you think you can do it, sounds pretty easy. Go out and test yourself. Do it. I think I was literally just thinking that to myself. And I was like, a lot of the people listening to us probably either think they can do it and don't realize that your ass is old 
Or they're like, damn, dude, this shit sounds hard. And they don't realize these kids are 18, 19 years old. So, like, most people that listen to us, listen, you think you can do it, don't go out there and do it. Because you're going to fucking pull your hamstring and you'll wake up and your elbows will hurt from running too hard and shit. Like, do something random. And, uh, yeah, then you're going to blame it on us. So, yeah, just, dude, your ass is old. Um, You're not an athlete. You're not fit enough to do this shit. Uh, It is interesting, man, like. Start talking points, only only kind of accumulate accumulative points, and I'm familiar with this stage of life and fucking fuel points from buying too much ice cream at the grocery store. You know what I mean? But um, I missed the conditioning test. I missed the 33 my sophomore year. Hmm. I had a big meal for the conditioning test. Not a big meal, but so I get paranoid if I don't have enough carbs or food in my body that I get lightheaded. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to have some, you know, something in my system. So I just started slamming pistachios. I get paranoid that I'm going to get light. So that's what I do. <laughs> just eat. <laughs> um, Old sleep dog ain't missing meals. I ain't missing a meal either. Believe me. Um, I, I I started throwing up about oh, boy. 8.30, like the 8.33, I had to pull out of one of them and I threw up. And so... I had to run that 13th one at the end, but I made it. But that's the one time I had an issue. And uh, I was so nervous about not making the conditioning test my freshman year. I was in the best shape of my life. And then it came so easy to me that I thought I would just breeze through it my sophomore year. Now I got I got humbled. Well, dude, it's amazing because well-conditioned teams, I mean, you know this even if you've ever played sports in high school and any of that sort of stuff. Like, you start seeing how well the teams are conditioned, like, late in the season. Oh, dude, yeah. I tell I tell people, you know, if you want to score more points in basketball, the easiest thing you can do is get in better shape yep. because you outrun yep. people, you get layups. Yep. It's the first thing. Okay, you want to you wanna score more? Get in better shape. And Make it's amazing because you see it it's so clearly a lot in basketball. Like, there's these games – where you've got Carolina, Duke, whoever you want, Kentucky, and they're playing some nobodies, mm-hmm. and it's like a six-point game at the half. And you're like – and that happens a lot. And you're like, wow, this is close. Those motherfuckers don't know what's coming, you know, because those teams are fucking thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the – you know, you start getting that last – you know, even first few minutes, blah, 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 when you got – you know, had a chance to catch up, and then boom, 19-2 to two run. Why? Because they're just gassing you. You know, it's like that you see it, you know, in, in, in a lot in, uh, and really in football too. I mean, like there's, there's a lot of times where games are relatively close and sometimes, you know, football is interesting because you're outside in the summer. Like, dude, sometimes and dudes is like, that's why those games get ugly quick. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the conditioning is, is, is of insane importance in terms of a team's, um, you know, ability to win games. And then, and then the, the, not only is it the physical side, but you said it earlier, like mentally, if you are, um, dude, I used to run cross country in high school. That's how big of a nerd I was. And it's like, you start, but the crazy part about that was we didn't have like, um, unless you're going to run with like a fucking CD player in your hand, you didn't have music. And like now as old, when I get older, like I'll run some and uh, I go through sort of spurts and, and, and running with headphones and music and stuff makes it a lot easier, whether you read books or whatever the fuck. But back then, like you didn't really have anything to, it was all mental. And when I would do that and then I would play baseball in high school, like it was, I was just 
light years ahead of a lot of other people because I just you know you could just run. I played basketball in high school too. I was like shit, but I was in <laughs> I was in good shape. So, mm-hmm. um, man, it matters. It really does. 100%. And, and, and you know, I think a lot of a lot of kids. It's not fun, but it can be fun when you start to feel the the transformation that comes from you know being out of shape versus in shape Mm -hmm. then you just then it's not you know it's like oh that sounds miserable it don't sound miserable if you're in shape Mm -mm. because you wake up and you're just like i'm i'm gonna attack this so tyler how many games did your team score over 100 points i have no clue about that but i will tell you when i think of going up and down the court and teams being in great shape first team that comes to mind when i was in school is clemson Oliver Purnell was mm-hmm. there. You probably remember yep. this. Oh, yeah. Pablo, I know you You guys remember this, is they used to press. And the thing about Clemson was most teams would kind of slow down, but not Coach Williams. Um, so Coach Williams, he always had the the best trans – they call it secondary break. Mm-hmm. But his transition offense was the best in the country year after year. It's not even close. If you look at a coach, which teams run the best – it's Coach Williams' teams. Kansas, okay, and then UNC. When he was coaching, their teams were running not even close. Mm-hmm. They scored more points. Look it up. And I yep. will tell you this. Um, most teams, when they get pressed or they're going against a team that likes to run, they won't run. They'll try to slow the tempo. But, no, Coach Williams fought fire with fire. Yeah. And so if you watch our Clemson, Clemson games, boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. And believe it or not, those teams will wear out in the second half. Yeah. And I remember the game we took him in a double overtime in mm-hmm. the Smith Center. Almost broke the record, the streak at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, we were down big. But we came back, and a big reason was because they couldn't run with us that long, mm-hmm. and they were exhausted. Um, another team that comes to mind is Rick Bettino's teams, mm-hmm. um, especially Louisville. When he was there, they used to press the whole time. We played him in Elite Eight my junior year, and that was an up and down game, and we pulled out at the end, um, but. That those are the first two teams that come to my mind. Yeah, Paulo, to your point, man. Like college team, you know, the biggest thing I remember when um, in '09, I want to say we averaged like 93 points a game, and I mean that's an insane number. Yeah, I just looked it up. It was nine games that you scored over 100, and two of them, uh, not including those, were a 97 point game and a 98 point yeah. game. So basically 13 games, y'all scored 100 points, yeah, which yeah. is insane. And it's like, it's possessions too. You know what I mean? Like high, you know, high quality shots and many, many possessions is going to score you a lot of points. And like you start, you start talking about teams that are in the upper eighties, low nineties. I mean, those are like, when you start making your March picks, even teams that you're like, Hey man, like, uh, you know, the I never heard of this team or they're, you know, they come from a weak conference or whatever. You start scoring 88, 90 points in a game on average, you know, it's because you're getting good shots and you you're you're in you're conditioned and those are the teams you watch out for. Hundred percent. And you're making sleep, I know you're a big free throw guy. Yep. You're making your free making throws. Free too. throws, yep. Two highest percentage shots in basketball. Um, uncontested layup and then a free throw. Nothing else comes close. You got to make those, and you got to take advantage of them. I know it's the uh, age of just hemorrhaging threes up, but you can never overlook an open layup. It's a sign of getting to the basket and then making your free throws super important. Yeah, and you can lose to those teams that get hot and have a good day, but you play them ten times, you're not going to lose to them often. Hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, you wonder why we're talking about what the conditioning regimen is for a basketball team. I mean, that's why uh, we got a lot of expectations on us this year, and um, you know, I think. I think uh, you know that's a good way to get centered is to 
um, you know, go through the rigors of early season, you know, training. Um, I don't really give a shit about this NIL thing as much as I thought I did, but I, I th- do. Okay. Well, just, I, just I mean, real I, quick. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to, I was thinking before we even get started, like I was thinking that it would be a really great thing to dive real deep into. And I, the reason I said I don't give a shit is because I didn't have time to look much into it, but I did see where we put together a committee, which, you know, I think is interesting. And I know it is interesting. Are you huh? on the committee was the first thing I'm I not thought. on the committee um, because I'm probably not, I'm not an agent. So I bet they hired a bunch of former agents or something like that who come in. I have all these connects. And so, oh, yeah, I'll hire you. Um, my whole point of the NIL is for the players to get the money, mm-hmm. not for people to take money and then chunk it up, then give it to the players. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's happening right now. And it, it'll get smoothed out. Mm-hmm. People will realize that, hey, this isn't uh, as complica- complicated as we need to make it. Um, to hire a committee. Mm-hmm. To figure out NIL. Think about that, Sleep. I wonder how much that committee, like, what's the salary for the committee? Good Lord. You know, it's, you know, that's, that's money to, from the university, could have gone to the players, could have gone to facilities, could have gone to non-revenue generating sports as well. But that's for a different day. That's just my take on it. I don't know anything about the committee, so I'm going to reserve judgment until I do. I'm just guessing, by I the way. can appreciate the fact if that committee's job is to make sure students don't get taken advantage of, I'm all for it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's the role of a lot of shit that doesn't happen. So, you know, I mean, my thing is, that's why I asked the first one, when I first heard of it, I know how, you know, I mean, you're a a a, a very notable name in that conversation, right? I mean, Draymond, when he started talking about it, I mean, he was the first, you were the first person that came to mind. And so I feel like, you know, if you're the university, why would you not have someone like Tyler or like, you know, name your other, you know, athlete that could have really maximized their time in school um, as, you know, an arbitrator of what's supposed to happen, you know what I mean? Like, because my biggest fear with NIL, I think it's awesome. Kids go out there and can make a bunch of money. And you, we saw this stuff happen, and we're, everybody's kind of unsure what went down with this recruit with Gigi Jackson leaving, you know, and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. My biggest fear is that these kids, like, dude, if I were 18, 17, 19, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do. I mean, somebody's offering me money. They're acting like they're my friend, blah, blah, blah. I would have had no clue. And I came from, like, you know, a middle-class white family. You know what I mean? I could only imagine some of the places these kids come from and the predatory sort of stuff that comes with that. And that's what I hope, you know, whether it's an NIL committee or a damn whatever, dude, is just some sort of protection for these guys to help them make good decisions for themselves, for their families, for the whole intent of this, Um, you know, and I don't know. (laughs) I'll believe that shit when I see it. That's the whole point of, like, we talk about the student athlete. This is the student side mm-hmm. of the college and their role to when you go to, you know, you're getting recruited by a school, you know, that coaching staff should, they should not allow people to take advantage of their kids on their team. And they should know who's coming in there to take advantage of them. So to me, you know, you got to teach these kids how to, you know, do a little business. So you want to throw money at anything people are going to get taken advantage of and people are going to be okay with it because a lot of people would just jump at anything that comes their way. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And all I'm saying is 
Kids are going to get taken advantage mm-hmm. of, period. You cannot stop that. It's going to happen just like it would happen in real world business right. with adults in mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. age category. So to think that kids aren't going to get taken advantage of, and there's not going to be some mishaps, there are. It's unrealistic. Um, but you know, the one thing I will say about the NIL committee, committee is I hope they're teaching the kids about finances yeah. as well. I hope that, that they're telling them about taxes and mm-hmm. uh, you know the ramifications of not you know keeping up their taxes or paying them. Yeah. So if you want to make good money, you got to be responsible and you know handle it like a business as well. Gosh, and that's the thing. And and you said it better than I did. I think that's the real like you know what I hope the goal of the committee is is to set these kids up. Yeah, because you're right. You're not going to stop it. Yeah. But you know, set them up with some of the things that they don't even fucking do in college. I mean, mm-hmm. like teaching kids, like like you said, about taxes, about compound interest, about all the things, the ways that you can make money work for you if, you know, you just have some patience and some discipline. And, um, you know, that's that's one of the things that's missing throughout. I mean, it's one of the reasons I just called college bullshit is because they don't teach you life skills <laughs> uh, in a large, you know, in a large degree. And so... Um, imagine not getting taught those life skills and just getting handed a bunch of money. It's like the lottery effect. You know, there's, I don't know how much of it's true and how much of it's fiction and how many people win the damn lottery and and end up broke, end up worse off at some stage because, you know, they had no, um, you know, no way to handle it. But anyway, I mean, let's, let's just we'll keep our ear to the ground on the, uh, old NIL committee. Let's look, Hey, uh, one way I know they can just dump money down the trash cans, go drink white claws before the football game. So, you know, if basketball guys are listening, y'all stay the hell away from there, man. You can go to the store, mm-hmm. get your case, claw a couple back in the dorm, you know, make sure you, you know, float under the long arm under the, of the, of the TA. And then, you know, maybe one at, at Carolina Inn. but damn, we got to take a stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, first day, Mary just texted me, asked me if we were uh, sipping and strolling. Told her we were thinking about it. That's, that's what they call it out. That's, that's the marketing people in Raleigh. Uh, sip and stroll. That sounds sounds brilliant. Um, all right. Before I get out of here, uh, well, quickly, NCAA AP top twenty five. Carolina ain't in it. Hopefully that changes. Nobody cares about preseason poll. Alabama's number one. Weird. Shocker. NC State's number 14. Ugh. I ain't, I ain't a big fan of that. We play them at home right after Thanksgiving, I think. Um, Sam Howell looked awesome, I thought, for the commanders. It's preseason. I mean, it got them, you know, Croatan Cougars on defense. So who knows what's going on there. But he he – Looked as looked as, did did as expected, but then the Fernando Tass, Tatis thing, man. I want to get into this rare the baseball thing. So Tatis, big time player for the San Diego Padres, son of Fernando Tatis, uh, from when I was a kid, gets popped eighty games. Said he's on. Said he took mistakenly uh, something for ringworm, I believe. Which first of all, when's the last time you met anybody that had ringworm? Um, the implications are huge. They just signed the Padres just traded for Juan Soto, who's like paid like almost half of a billion fucking dollars. They got Manny Machado, who's making a shit pot of money. You got Tatis is making a bajillion dollars. Eighty game suspension. He's done the rest of this season because there ain't eighty games left. He's done into the playoffs, however far they go, and into next season. Although playoff games will count. Um. 
interesting part for me is Fernando Tatis baseball cards are worth a lot of money, and now they're not. I read where they think that it may have cost collectors over $100 million of suspension. What I was interested in, Big Hawk, was you said, ain't no way this dude made a mistake. He was juicing. 100% he was, was juicing, fellas. Um, listen, he didn't have ringworm. I mean, I looked it up. You got to inject what he was taking, and even if he did have ringworm, it would be very, very trace amounts, and it probably wouldn't get detected in a blood or like a, you know, a drug test. He was juicing. You do the crime, you do the time. Believe me, he's too big of a player. Um, if it was that controversial, they would appeal it, and they have an appeals court, and go to an arbitrary, arbitrary, whatever it's called, uh, arbitrator, arbitrator, and they would decide. It's not even like. The rule is set in stone, and uh, it's unfortunate because I looked at it. I knew who he was because I, you know, stayed out in San Diego, went to a few Padres games. He's young. He's not like one of these guys coming off an injury, yeah, and trying to, you know, stay in the league or, you know, just I just want to get a few more years. But nah, this is it's kind of sad to see sleep. Well, I think he was coming off of an injury, but. Like, the thing I don't get is, to that point, is where I sympathize with steroid users are the guys that are on the fringe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. everybody – and this was a big deal, not now as much, uh, that do I sympathize with them. But in the 90s and early 2000s, like, you sympathize with a guy. It was the other way better story over the over the weekend of some dude that's been playing in the minors for Colorado for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Finally gets called up. Gets an important, like – uh, infield base hit scores a run like plays a huge role in the I don't know if the Rockies I, I think they have an outside chance of making the playoffs but just a cool fucking story man a dude's been lifelong in the minor leagues and gets called up that guy if he's juicing so that he can you know make ends meet and make my I, you know I ain't saying I I ain't saying I condone it but I do understand it and it's and that was a big problem in the in the in the like late 90s where guys that were fringe players that are in if you you know, you get hit on the hand and break your hand, and you're out four or six weeks. You may never be to play again in the big leagues. It, back in the day, it was the wild, wild Dude. west. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, those guys oh, yeah. were juiced to the yeah. gills. And I then mean, you're forced to Lance juice. Lance Armstrong is a yeah. juice. You're forced to juice because everybody else is doing it. So this is what I don't understand about this. It's like, bro, you have a three hundred some million dollar contract guaranteed. I mean, you're already an all-star and this, that, and the other. Like, that money's guaranteed. Ain't going nowhere. So, like, you don't have an excuse of, like, well, are you trying to rehab from an injury? Do you love baseball that much? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not here to say you don't, and that's mm-hmm. why you did it. But, like, it just it, – it, it, it's – I can't comprehend why someone who is set would push the boundaries knowing that you guys get tested. I like, agree. You can't skip out on it. You're going to get caught. Mm-hmm. You know, the football guys, same kind of thing. Like some dude offensive lineman I ain't never heard of, they pop him for, you know, 50 or whatever, uh, not 50 games, <laughs> like 400 years of football. You know, you pop him. All right, man, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. guy like even, um, what's his face? Um, Hopkins. I don't know what his contract situation looks like. You know, there are situations where, again, I don't agree with it, but I understand it. 
And and this ain't one of them, man. I just thought his response was hilarious. See y'all week seven. Yeah. I remember we talked about <laughs> Sleep that. Sleep Worldwide title of a podcast about that shit. Well, we'll see Fernando Tatis week whatever of, uh, you know, in, in, in 2024. Yeah, 472 AD. Uh, that didn't make any sense. But anyway, you know, he ain't playing a while. Um, so, but it's, and it's a real bummer because they lined up a team that sure seemed like uh, they could contend. And I mean, Maybe they still will, but let's see some cookies, dude. Dude, see. you guys want – all right, so, guys, I got uh, cookies from Whole Foods. It was, so it's kind mm. of a snatch and grab. Okay. I know we got a listener sending us in some cookies. I got high expectations on that. Um, so, all right, let's see here. Pablo, come get you one. Um, big sleeve dog. <laughs> this is uh, – it looked good. Uh, this is I not – chocolate chips in here. This is brown butter chocolate chip from Whole Foods. I'm going to take a quick bite. Yeah, this thing is some mass. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and – this is damn good. One to ten, this is at eight and a half. I haven't eaten all day. Probably unfair. This is a really moist, um, soft cookie. It um, So it's $7 for – I was going to say, I'm going to Whole Foods. This is four of them. And, uh, oh, seven for four. Cheaper. Four for seven. Cheaper than a claw. Yep. It's cheaper than a claw. It's cheaper than insomnia. It's cheaper than crumble. Um, it's not as cheap as McDonald's. It's not 35 cents. Um, That's a good fucking cookie, boy. This is this is the the best cookie we've had. It's from mm-hmm. Whole Foods, and it's a brown butter chocolate. And it ain't close. This is unbelievable. Sleep, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave you the, the extra. Wow. I, I should, oh, sleep should probably go uh, maybe to... We should start doing salad reviews. But, uh, I don't know, man. I don't even need, this thing doesn't even need a grade. Pablo. Pablo's a professor. S- solid nine. Damn. This is just a massive, beautiful, oh, yeah. delicious cookie. Wow. Mm, that was a weird way to describe it. Is it is beautiful. It looks amazing, too, fellas. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. I mean, nine is. Nine strong. Eight and a half strong. strong eight and a half strong. Man, I'll go. Uh, I'll go eight point three because the density detracts from the volume. So here's the problem with this cookie: is there are certain cookies you can eat about twelve of. This ain't one of them. Nope. If you eat twelve of these, some bitches like <laughs> you might need to go to ER. Very good triple ply. <laughs> That's right. This is good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else is going on, guys. Um, I, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week because we got one more week till football. One more week in between the lead up to the preview. Hit us in the DMs. Give us some topics. We'll cover it. And while you wait, go buy some crab cakes. Um, yeah, tell us what you want to know. Who you want. You know, what do you want us to talk about? Who guests you want us to bring on the show? If you've ever ordered crab cakes from Jimmy's Seafood, we'd love to know about it. Because we always talk about it, and we don't know whether anybody's listening. But I'm telling you, if you ain't listening, you're fucking missing out. Because the crab cakes are as good as these cookies we just had. And that's damn tall order. Mm-hmm. Big Hawk said I could have the other one. His ass is sitting there eating. He's having half of it. <laughs> Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe. Stay safe.